Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again on the PCICS podcast, the go-to podcast for pediatric cardiac critical care. My name is Lillian Sue, and I'm currently the medical director of the CVICU at Phoenix Children's. Today, you will be listening to a recording of an interview I had done as part of the CVICU Luminary Series for PCICS 2020, which included interviews with experts in our field with over 20 years of experience. A three-minute clip of the interview was played at the 2020 meeting, but what follows is the full-length half-hour interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it. I have the great fortune of welcoming Colleen Betzer, who will serve as my guest today. Colleen has been a bedside nurse for 30 years and is currently at Children's National Medical Center. Welcome, Colleen. As she said, my name is Colleen Betzer. I work in the CICU at Children's National in Washington, D.C. I have been at Children's, it was um, 19 years in June, and I have been an ICU nurse. I just had my 30th anniversary this June, um, so I was very excited about that. So all 30 years in uh, between PICU and CICU. And I've actually had the good fortune of working with Colleen at DC, and I can tell you personally that Colleen's the nurse that you want on call with you, and she's the one that you want taking care of your sickest patient. And if Colleen calls you to the bedside that she needs you, you know that you should run. Um, So I've always enjoyed working with Colleen, and I'm really excited to be able to interview you today. So my first question for you is, what advice would you give your younger self at the beginning of your career? Yes, when I first read this question, um, what immediately popped into my head was myself now, what advice would I give my future self? Um, And I think it has to do with where I am in my career. Um, Like I said, I just had my 30th anniversary, which I'm very proud of, and it's all been ICU. Uh, So I obviously, I I have the knowledge, I have the experience, um, you know, I have the capability of caring for our most complex patients. And so because of that, um, I feel that there's always a possibility of getting walled into a false sense of security or possibly letting my guard down. And in our line of business, I don't feel like that is acceptable at all. So the two words that popped into my head to give myself advice were humility and vigilance. I feel like that is uh, how I basically run my days in the ICU with patients. The humility comes because every patient is unique as much as we have learned in the field of pediatric, uh, you know, cardiac surgery, um, as many advancements as we've made, as much as we can control, we know that every patient has that level of unpredictability also. Um, and you have to be ready for it at any moment. And so here's my input of humility. I do not know it all, despite my years of experience. Um, I know that. I know that there are still things I can learn. And I know that I can never assume when uh, anything, when caring for a patient, I need to have my eyes wide open. That is why I think vigilance is the, is the second tenet here of always you know, being alert, being ready, watching the trends, trying to get the feel of the patient to see 
the trajectory of their course. Is it going the way we want or not? Do we need to intervene to actually try and have the most positive outcomes? I would give myself the advice that I give basically every new nurse I meet, everybody that I precept, every nurse who comes to ask me a question on the unit, Colleen, what do you think? I tell everybody the same thing. Listen to your gut. Follow your instinct. It is 99% of the time you're right because you might not be able to vocalize, verbalize uh, exactly everything that's going on, but you have a sense that something's changed and that is so important. Um, you have a sense that something is not quite right and um, you have to feel like you can speak up in those situations. The problem we run into in CICU is when you've, uh, you know, with all of our new technology, all of the advancements we've made, there's nothing still that holds the weight of doing an actual patient assessment. Look at the baby. What is the baby telling you? And when you go in there, I tell the nurses in your first 10 seconds, when you're, you know, assessing the child, that feeling that you get, you know, it's either, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to continue or, oh, that's important. And that's what you need to pay attention to. And be it that you're, you know, we let our brains get too involved. And, and this isn't just nurses. I think this is every care provider. You start trying to talk yourself out of it. You're like, well, I'm new here. Or maybe you're not new here. I'm new to this type of surgery. Or there's two other people in the room and they're not saying anything. Um, and you start really moving away from it. And it, while you're moving away from it, you're actually losing precious time. Because uh, we all know that children, infants, you know, they, they show you these subtle changes and they kind of hold that plateau and then they crash. So it's, it's in those moments that we all know we need to catch them. And so my advice to everybody, myself still included, everybody, um, is to speak up. Use your voice, tell somebody, and make sure, not just tell somebody, make sure they actually hear you, that they actually listen to you, um, and that it's discussed and, and um, you know, a new plan is made. What I love about that answer, Colleen, is that a couple of years ago, I actually gave a talk at PCICS about cognition and how we can bottle expertise. And I did mention you as someone whose expertise I've always wanted to bottle. So thank you for that. I think this idea of cultivating that kind of gut instinct at the bedside is so thoroughly important. Um, thank you. Um, for a career as long as yours, I'm sure you've heard the basic questions from novices now hundreds of times. How do you keep it fresh after all of these years? Here again, I have two answers because when I first read the question, I thought, oh, yay, this is an easier one. How do I keep it fresh after all these years? Meaning I've, I've worked ICU for 30 years. Why do I still like it? Um, and that was easy. Uh, is because I truly love being a bedside nurse. I am very lucky. I work in a field like this is my passion. And I think it's really important that everybody be able to find joy in what they do. So I'm going to plug bedside nursing here. <laughs> nursing is an amazing profession because there are so many different avenues that we can take. It's incredible. Um, but the fact remains, we need bedside nurses. The way the system's set up, 
patients come into hospitals, you have to have nurses who can care for them. And you have to have good bedside nurses. Um, you have to have people who have the discipline and the compassion and the ability to basically care for any acuity level of patient that comes in. And I think that uh, bedside nursing, a lot of times people think of it just as a springboard to somewhere else. And I would like to say, you can stay here. <laughs> it's it's uh, really an art um, and you can make it anything you want, really. You get out of it what you put into it. A lot of times, newer nurses, it's, you know, the field is very competitive. And so uh, in an ICU, everybody wants to take, you know, the sickest patient. I want to be able to do that. And I'm not doing that. So I'm kind of, hey, what am I doing? And I try and tell people all the time that that's not it at all. Any patient, plus with our population in CICUs, everybody knows any patient at any time has the potential to go down. It's the kids who are in the pairs that do crash and burn. It's one of them that you're not, your eye isn't on. You know, everybody's watching the, the high risk protocol room, but maybe they're not paying so much attention to one of the other kids. So as a good CICU nurse, any assignment that you have, you should have, give your undivided attention 110% um, to that case. And that can um, involve, you know, we, we run the gambit in CICU now also, which I, I find nice. I find very challenging uh, because you can have the high-risk fresh post-op patient for the night where everything is super, super technical, you know, fast-paced, technical, you're doing all of that. Then you can have like this weekend, I just worked this weekend and I had a pair and one of my babies was a two-day post-op from a co-op repair who was doing well. So I was de-escalating, you know, I was pulling lines and I was uh, weaning, you know, high flow to room air, uh, you know, trying to advance feeds and then doing tons of teaching with their parents because they just kept saying, what's going on now? What's going now? What do we do? Um, so there's that whole component. And then the, the other patient in my pair was one of our more chronic patients. Um, she just had her year birthday. Uh, she's been with us since infancy. And she actually has a family who's not able to come and visit her often. And so what can I do for her in this room? So basically it ended up, you know, I am a night shift nurse uh, by choice too. <laughs> so it became about bedtime. So bath time and bedtime. So basically it was about giving her, you know, a soap and water bath and washing her hair and sitting her up on the bed and, and putting the tub of water in front of her and putting her fingers in the water and letting her experience that feeling. And, and uh, I actually had an RT come into the room to do the vent check while I was uh, working with her. And she, she was watching us. And then she said, wow, she said, I, she's so calm. And I said, yeah, because she's really enjoying, she loves having her hair washed. And she goes, that's just amazing. Um, so bedside nursing, that is the beauty of bedside nursing is like, I could give this baby this bath. Of course, I still had to do, you know, I had to do, you know, her trait care and her ostomy care and her pick line dressing. But you want it to be not just all technical touching on these babies. You want them to have positive touch and, you know, 
affirming touches also. Um, so the fact that I could give her her bath and wash her hair and, you know, put her in clean PJs, you know, clean bed and read her a bedtime story, you know, you feel like you are giving something. With these three examples, they're all very different, but it shows the arc of bedside nursing and why I love it so much is because you assess what each patient needs and each patient's families need at that moment, and you give that. And hopefully by doing that, you are improving for that moment the quality of life of the patient, um, the quality of life of the, of the whole family, and showing the family that, you know, even though your children are in the hospital, they're cared for. You know, we take it seriously, and it's really important to us. Yeah, you epitomize delivering personalized medicine. And I think you also highlighted the very human aspects of care and mm-hmm. um, the, the kind of spectrum of disease that we see is so unpredictable mm-hmm. because every human being and their reaction or interaction with disease and congenital anomalies and the response to bypass can be so different. So yes. to have to cater the care specifically to that individual is, is just so important. I also think a, a lot about the fact that when a patient is undergoing surgery, they're in the operating room with a dedicated team. So an, a specific anesthesiologist, a CRNA, um, perhaps a a fellow trainee in anesthesia, the whole OR team is all dedicated to one patient and the surgeon, of course, and his or her team. And then they transition to the ICU where there's really one attending on call at night for potentially 26 patients, as is the case in Washington, D.C. And so, of course, we have to rely on really strong bedside nursing because the pure ratio of attendings to that patient diminishes so rapidly when they exit the OR and come into the CVICU. Right. No, I totally agree with you. Of expertise is so important. My last question is describe your worst night or shift in the CVICU. This question is really tough, describing the worst night in the CVICU, but I also thought it was very important. It's really hard. All of us, you know, work under the same pressure, and I think everyone could probably relate to my story. Um, and I hope the reason I thought it was important to discuss is that a lot of times we don't discuss, <laughs> and but it's always there. And um, just to help everybody, you know, know, hey, it's it's not just you. And it, it comes back around to uh, my advice to my younger self <laughs> and all the new nurses. Trusting your instincts, Mm -hmm. trusting your gut, speaking up. I mean, I've worked for 30 years, so I I feel like I have been very lucky, actually. I, you know, have had way, way, way more positive experiences than negative experiences in my career, you know, but it happens to all of us. Um, And the times that I have had uh, poor outcomes, bad experiences, they always came from the moments when I didn't trust my gut when I either I hesitated to respond or I was in a room with other people and I kind of let another person take the lead and I didn't 
speak up for my patient as much as I should. I didn't advocate as much as I should. That is always when it occurs. So here again, my lesson, <laughs> speak up, follow your gut. So this one night uh, will live in my brain forever. It comes back to me very often because I use it when I actually counsel younger nurses on the unit now when something happens and they, uh, they're trying to make sense of it. And I tell them, you know, no one gets into this business and no one comes to work to do harm. None of us do. We all come to work because we care and we want to make a difference. So um, everybody needs to remember that. <laughs> and uh, as hard as that is sometimes, and it, it gets lost sometimes, but that basically it, it's the truth. One night it was um, basically, it was years ago, but it was a uh, new admission to the unit. I hear again, you know, permanent night shift. So it's nighttime, new admission, newly diagnosed. I don't even remember what the uh, cardiac defect was at this point, but I do remember it was a preemie twin. So, you know, start checking the boxes of risk factors here. <laughs> um, and the baby needed lines. Uh, so, of course, you know, we are, you know, baby's draped. This was back in the day where the fellow was in the room alone doing the line. So it was the two of us. And in my head, you know, I'm hearing the, the clock starts ticking and, and we are communicating. I'm saying, uh, you know, how's it going? It's, you know, t this is time-wise, we kind of are under pressure here. And, and she's agreeing with me. She's like, I totally agree. This is really difficult. This is taking longer than I thought it would take. So she's like, I'm, I'm going to call in a second person. So, you know, we are talking, we're, we're, I think I'm advocating for the patient. Um, you know, she calls in a second fellow. Um, so now I've got two docs in the room, me still, you know, I'm getting that feeling, but I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're working. It'll happen anytime. You know, how's it going? Have you, you know, yes, the, the attending is aware this is still occurring. Anyway, long story short, um, you know, it, it takes a while. My gut is screaming through this whole thing, but you know, it's kind of implausible. We have been discussing, but when we lift the drapes, my worst fear is evident. Exactly what I thought, you know, I was scared to death. I was going to find a, you know, cold acidotic infant, which is exactly what we ended up finding. And then you just, I mean, it's devastating. You, you feel it. Your insides are screaming um, because your whole job as bedside nurse is patient safety and patient advocacy. That's it. That's why we're there. And when you realize, I just dropped the ball. And this baby's life is is in my hands and I dropped the ball it shakes you to your core so of course at that moment it was the change of shift because the stuff always happens at the change of shift of course so of course so now we've got you know everybody in the room everybody trying to figure out what's going you know frantically working um I pass you know hand off to the next nurse I leave the room and I I mean you just I just know and it is rough my peers, they were there for me, Calm me down. I'll never forget their compassion. That baby ended up with fulminant neck and passing away later that day. Okay, what do you do with all that? 
and this is this is the part you know that I think is so important for everybody. You know, you do a lot of reflection, you do a lot of uh, uh, soul searching, and you basically you analyze and you come up with a plan. Okay, I all we can do is uh, learn from our mistakes. Um, you know, I felt like uh, you know I had advocated, but obviously that was not enough. So I you know, now have a put new, a new action plan. And I put in, you know, warning signals into my, into my skill set list so that if I ever approach a a situation like that again, or come across a situation like that again, it's like, no, you know, stop. Because all we can do is, like I said, learn from our mistakes and, um, you know, make it better for our future patients. This kind of ties in with the next one with communication having a shared mental model of our patients, I think is vital. I love, 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 love this new trajectory of um, increasing communication and having these shared models of patients. Because in that my situation that I used, people were aware, but when you're in the moment, when you are the two in the situation, because you're task oriented and other things, you know, the patient's trajectory starts veering right, but you don't realize how far it's veering right until you're like, oh my God, how do we get all the way over here? And then you can't get it back. Whereas with the shared mental model, we now in the unit, if something's going on, you immediately, you're calling somebody else immediately, come to this room, come talk this out, come get more eyes here, regain the perspective before you're too far to the right. Um, we have our, you know, nurses call nurses, hey, come over here and talk this through with me. Look at this. We have our, you know, physicians uh, calling other physicians. Our attendings now when they're on call, they will actually will say, hey, hey, man, can we put in another call? Can we? Um, and they, they're willing to do that. They will call another attending at home and be like, this is what's going on. Like, help me work through the situation. What's the best way to handle it? And I love this because all of us are there for the patients. It's, um, it's not about hurt feelings. It's not about, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm questioning your ability to put in a line. It's not about, oh, I've been insulted. It's none of that. All that crap gets thrown out. All that crap goes by the wayside. It's about our patients um, and what's the best thing for them. Um, so no egos. It's just the team, the team working together for that patient in that moment. The fact that you as someone who is so well-respected in the CBICU would be willing to share a story like that, that still clearly has affected you even to this day, just really shows how much emotional investment we actually have in each of our patients and how their lives do impact us in, in so many different ways. So thank you so much for sharing that really helpful oh, story. And you're uh, welcome. I did want to get that across for everyone. I just my heart goes out to all of us. You know, you you know, only the people are doing what we're doing full the feel the full impact of what we do. Our loved ones, I mean, they're always there to support us at the end of a shift or how was it, or they'll listen, but they don't, no one gets it unless you're doing it. Yeah. Um yeah. And I, I, like I said, I really hope that what I said helps other people. Like, it's not just, 
oh, you know, you've done this forever and that doesn't occur. It, it, it's all of us. Like you said, it's, you know, where I am in my nursing career, it is so important for me to um, train people, teach people, um, because they are the next generation of nurses. We need to keep bringing up, you know, bringing up new nurses, new ICU nurses. So I take great pride and um, respect the process very much because it's so important. It's so heavy. Uh, we, we have to have nurses who can, who can carry on. So the reason I find it intriguing is because I never teach two people the same way. I, uh, as soon as I meet someone, just as like I said, our patients are unique. I mean, obviously as human beings, each nurse is unique. So I think it's important. You get to know them as a person. First thing I do, you know, you don't just ask their name and, oh, you're the new nurse. Here's your stuff. Yeah. No, it's, you know, what are your experiences? Are you a new grad, new to nursing completely, or are you just new to pediatric CICU? What are your past experiences? What brought you here? What, what are you expecting? What are you looking for? And then most importantly, um, what's your learning style? I mean, it doesn't do any good if I'm like, okay, hey, nice to meet you, Andrea. We're going to take care of this TET. So really quick, in 10 seconds, here are the four defects of a TET. Let's go into the room. Um, if that person, I just spit out all this information. If that person is, they're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't do well with this type of learning. I actually need to look at a photo to actually be able to understand I'm doing them a total disservice. So I cater my, my teaching style to their learning style. Um, and you can tell, you can tell in the first 10 seconds, like if I did that to somebody and you get that look, it's like, oh, <laughs> would you rather look at a diagram and you see that? Yeah. Um, kind of thing. Uh, so I think it's really important to work with the person. One, because it's respectful. And if you are trying to bring them into this whole culture of nursing uh, that we want to embody and this whole thing that we are a team and that we care about each other and we're there for you, um, then obviously you need to respect them as an individual. And um, the other two, I just think, you know, common civility is very important in today's day and age, especially. Um, and uh, the more genuine you are with someone, um, the more apt they are to open up. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off. People are very stressed and nervous uh, learning. It's very hard to be an adult learner. Um, so I think all that helps. And then, um, of course, you got to practice what you preach. So I... Um, I, I love that because, you know, if I'm doing, teaching someone how to, you know, calculate a drip, you know, we're on Epi, how do we calculate it? Some people immediately, you know, they're a number person and they can do numbers. Other people, you get that look and you're like, okay, let's draw it on the board. Let's work it out. I said, you know, there's, there's, I can show you four different ways to get this, the right answer. I don't care which technique you use just as long as you can get yourself to the right answer. Yeah. Um, and when someone sees that you're willing to work with them that way, that it matters that much, and it does matter that much, you know, every we're down to the point ones of things, and they, they, they embrace it also. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that's the only way you can give someone a fair shot 
at whether they can make it or not. I don't, I don't like the style of precepting where it's, you know, you have to do it like me. You have to do it exactly like me. Well, why? I mean, why do you have to do it exactly like me? As long as, you know, every nurse has their own style, as long as they're following the protocol, you know, we're with, we're protocol driven profession. As long as we're following the protocol, as long as they're thinking through the steps, if they can get me from point A to point B with sound judgment, go for it, you know? And that I think helps them, it builds them some self-confidence in them and helps them on their way to the most important part of being an ICU nurse, which is critical thinking. You have to be able to critically think. You can't just check the boxes. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to analyze every situation. You have to constantly be asking, why? Why am I doing this? Does this make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, then you're talking to your team about, hey, can we revisit this issue? Why are we doing this right now? You can't just have people just, well, you know, this is due right now, so I'm giving it. No, (laughs) Um, that's not the, you know, that's not the the essence of the beast of what we do. So, um, yeah, I never get bored. Even after all this time, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, And hopefully, you know, like I said, bringing up the next crew (laughs) to like it too. I think Children's National is so lucky to have someone like you. And I think you just talked about how loving the learner is so important in education and how teachers do struggle to love their learners and really Mm -hmm. um, help them bring their authentic self to work. And I think what you just talked about, catering the education that you provide to these newer nurses by getting to know them and their learning styles and just who, a little bit about who they are and what motivates them is just so critically important. So thank you, Colleen, for all this oh, wonderful knowledge. Thank I'm you. Really I hope excited. it was helpful for you. We would like to thank Colleen Betzer again for speaking with us that day. We really enjoyed having her on the podcast and sharing so much good knowledge and advice. To all our listeners, thank you for listening to the PCICS podcast. Please don't forget us to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please visit our website, PCICS.org, where you can find more information about how to become a member and enjoy updated information on educational resources, meetings, job listings, and much more. The host of this episode was Lillian Sue, and the guest was Colleen Betzer. This episode was edited by Lillian Sue and Sadie Rodriguez and produced by Sadie Rodriguez. The song, I Don't Know, by Grapes was used under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license.